This just in. Hello and welcome to the 250, your weekly IMDb, IMDb Top 250 Movies of All Time podcast. I'm Darren. I'm the internet. <laughs> I'm the internet. I'm the internet. I'm the internet movie database is what I meant to say. I'm Andrew. Uh, and welcome. This week uh, we're talking about Thor Ragnarok, the latest entry on the list. But we are also, this is the first episode that we're recording and releasing after uh, we did our sort of anniversary special. So it's been one year recording. Thank you very much, Andrew. <laughs> it's felt like longer. <laughs> Mostly because a lot of the movies on the list are just really long. Yeah, I, 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 I think we might have started um, a little earlier as well. I think it might have been like to ruin the, the illusion of, 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 of contemporaneous... Um, film discussion on this yeah, podcast the, I, I feel like we might have started in june yeah. of, of some year which 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 wasn't this uh, one right yeah. now um i do like though that once we hit the ground basically the the existence of deadlines basically meant that we had to record a lot more frequently yeah and and the, the decision to have bonuses as well it, and, and 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 to do one for well I, I suppose all of the um this just in but last week we basically had a discussion about the we invited all our a lot of our guests back as many as we could and we basically asked them a couple of questions about the lists now when we released the episode a couple of people pointed out that we didn't necessarily answer the questions ourselves that was quite intentional yeah we want to keep it ambiguous and loose here we're sort of mysterious and we're hard to read you know we're darren 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 does like to stay on the fence yeah like like i think in in case you're new to the podcast (laughs) because you're a lovely guy and and i think often it does represent your your kind of measured view of things because like on Blade Runner twenty forty nine, I think there were two very different opinions, and then you stood somewhere in between. And I think is it's it... happened as well with guests, is that typically yeah. I'll stand between you and the guests, not literally, unless things get really heated. Uh, but yeah, generally I tend to be the moderate voice, and I mean, we felt like when we were recording it that it was a way of we're very lucky when we have guests on the show. We are generally the least qualified people in the room. Well, I am. <laughs> The least qualified person in the room. But we do try basically to... We want to basically to have a bunch of smart people in a room talking about movies. And we didn't want to get in the way of that. But people did ask basically what how we would have answered the questions that we asked. And we'll do that very quickly before we talk about the movie we're going to talk about this week, which is Thor Ragnarok. So yeah. the, so first question is basically what is our favorite movie on the list? So Andrew, do you want to go first on this? Sure. Yeah. I had a wee look. And the, the ones that I was kind of thinking of were... I had to think about what I liked Godfather or Godfather Part 2 more. Um, I like Godfather Part 2. Other movies that I liked, Interstellar, I know there's, there's a lot of kind of like backlash against Nolan. There's also a lot of people who 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 eat up everything they produces. I really do like Groundhog Day also. But the one that I chose as my number one on the list uh, was The Lives of Others. I think that's, that's a beautiful a movie. I think it's it's... It's poignant. I think it's funny. I I think it it's it's really clever and really important. I feel like that that's also a reason why I like Groundhog Day. But there's something very kind of uh, like I beautiful and artistic about 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 the lives of others. And and I think there's yeah. So 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 I choose the lives of others. What um how about uh, how about yourself? Or did, or did you want to say anything about well, no, the lives I, I, of I was actually going to say that I think that what you're the point you're making there, which is basically when you're asked, you've got a list of 250 great movies. Now, as as often as we might deride the list, and as guests might occasionally deride the, li- the list with us, like there are a lot of really great movies on there, and it's very hard to pick just one. So my choice is going to be Godfather Part One because I'm sitting on the fence, but also because I adore that movie. I think it's fantastic. I think its reputation is exactly as good as it 
deserves to be. I would argue it is probably one of my three favorite movies of all time, and I'm, I'm just really, really in love with it. The only other option really was The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly, which is also on this list and ranked quite highly. That would be another one of the that sort of triumvirate of movies that really sort of speak to me and sort of like guided me as as, as 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 kind of a young man and i just i adore it i think it's just a beautiful piece of cinema as like a work of art it's amazing and it just it deserves all the praise and all the love that it has received i'm surprised heat isn't up there um is that would that be part of the kind of cons- uh, consideration for you or uh, heat would be in my top 10 like heat, yeah heat would very much be in, i love heat heat was um for me as as a young man watching heat was basically there's a sense of masculine performance in Heat that really spoke to me in terms of like how men act and how men behave. Masculine that maybe performance sounds like another thing. Yeah. Sorry. But in terms of like it, it informs like there's pills for that. Yeah. That help you with that. <laughs> but in terms of like when I was a young man, I looked at say Neil McCauley, the character played by Robert De Niro. And I sort of looked at that idea of like masculine isolation and being really good, dedicating yourself to perfectionism and craft and devoting yourself to ideas ideas and to like to being really good at what you want to do to the point where you exclude maybe personal considerations the result of that i think as a young man that maybe resonated with me a little bit obviously i'm nowhere near as professional or as, as skillful as the macaulay character that's but... what everyone says about you yeah yeah not not not, not nearly professional or skillful enough and... yeah no, that's the opposite of what people say about you. But, now. like, that was a very formative movie for me. And it sort of, that spoke, I think, to... And it did resonate with me, and it would be in my top ten. But in my top three, like, in my holy trinity, it would be Godfather and The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly from the high level of this list. So the next question we asked, which was, what would you take out of the list? And so, Andrew, if you could just pick one movie on this list to remove, what would it be? There was one... There, um, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to think now. I was look. I was looking at it. One, one that I considered was Pirates of the Caribbean, but I don't think that needs any, any, any help. Um, getting out. Get it, get it, get it, getting out of the list. The one that I chose, which was a movie that I've seen and really didn't like, was it's barely a movie. Is Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part Two? I hope I'm getting the title right. Um, yeah, it's I, not I, even a movie. It's yeah, half the, a movie, if the, even. The funny thing about that was that a friend of mine who I trust and love uh, told me um, that I should go see it. That it stands alone as 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 a movie with part I, two in the title. That is like the eighth film in the series. Yeah, so I was dubious, but but I I trusted this person, and, and they let you down. Yeah, they maintained that they didn't let me down on purpose. It was a, it was a weird movie because I don't I'm I I haven't read books a lot of people who have read the books don't particularly like the movies but i hadn't seen the movies even i feel like i had seen bits and pieces of 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 one or two of them but i sat down to watch this um top two one of the top 250 movies of all time ever made and it it, it made no sense but if 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 you haven't been watching all uh, the six or what is it six isn't it uh, maybe it's six before? others yeah then like it, it 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 just won't speak to you whatsoever and there there's there's not really anyone that's particularly good in it i think a lot of the actors who are in it um are there for their grandchildren 
Yeah, and and tend to kind of um, like Rafe finds when he's asked about it, he's kind of like, oh, it's fantastic. I just get to completely overact, and um, yeah, yeah, and the, you can sort of appreciate that on some level, but it also doesn't make for a great movie. No, it doesn't. And 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 you you come to it, and there's this main character you're supposed to care about most, and he's he's the hero of of this movie, but he's completely lost his his moral compass and it's not really explored as to how that happened all he all he cares about is killing this person that you know nothing about and and he will do whatever it takes to accomplish that well you can tell this is a war on terror yeah yeah regardless of how it fits with the kind of values that, that that he's meant to hold and then at some point in the movie everyone hooks up (laughs) <laughs> and you're like, well, where, where did that come from? It's because and, of the end of the series. Yeah, and there's a whole, there's a whole um, sequence. Sorry, I'm really going off on this. No, there's no, a whole sequence where there's a whole lot of characters who are obviously in some of the six movies that preceded. Who's like, I'm also here. They get a little moment yeah, each, which like, means nothing yeah, in the context I, of the film. Yeah, and and you're like, well, who are? You? Yeah, I've recognised that actor from other things, but. What are they doing in this movie, and 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 like why introduce them now? And yeah, was, why give a moment that adds nothing to the story that you're supposedly telling in this yeah. narrative that I bought a ticket for? Exactly. So yeah, that that was a crock. <laughs> Shazam. Shameful. Um, <laughs> cynical. Cynical stuff. Yeah. Perfect. I would take out the help. I won't go off on it quite as long. I just think it's a horrible, exploitative, patronizing, condescending, racist, horribly written, awkward, cynical awards bait nonsense. Is it as bad as The Blind Side? Because I haven't seen The Help, but I have seen The Blind Side. It's a little better than The Blind Side, but The Blind okay. Side is abominable. Yeah. Um, so this is just really that terrible. Because got buzz for Sandra Bullock, didn't it? It did. She won, I think, for it. Did, what? Yeah. Um, and The Help has a very similar dynamic where it's about a white woman who solves black people's problems. And why, you're like, why did the Oscars want... surprise me? <laughs> yeah, and how terrible they are. But I mean, it, it does. And it, it really... It, and the point is, like, it's not like it's an old film where you can sort of write it off as something that people weren't sensitive to at the time. It's like, no, this film was made in, what, 2013. It's meant to be... Dark you know, Ages. Yeah, it's practically as far as we're concerned and it's just horrible it's just awful and it should in no way be on this list and it should in no way be thought of even as a decent film but anyway that that's me gone off on that and then finally one we got we asked about the recent entries in the list and we'll try and maybe keep these a, a bit brief but movies that what was the favorite will, film will we say them at the same time we'll try this then all right um so the film in the past year that came onto the list that we loved most what was it so so three, two, one. Moonlight. Get out. Oh. yeah. So yeah, I I I really like Moonlight. I, I mean, if you want to hear us talk about that, you can go back and listen, listen to, to the it. podcast episode. Uh, I loved it. It's very sensitive, very sweet, very moving. Yeah, and it's it's wonderfully. It's I watched it again recently with the family, and the entire family loved it as well. Moonlight. Moonlight. Yeah. Yeah. It was a Moonlight was a Mooney family movie, uh, but it was it was very well, and it's very sweet, and it's very sensitive, and it's beautiful and compassionate and elegant. I like Get Out as well just because it's fun and it's exciting. It's well-constructed. It's a genre movie and I think it's clever. I know you don't like it as much as I do. but Yeah, because I didn't think it um, it was it was neither... Scary. It was neither scary nor nor did I think it was particularly funny. I liked it fine, but 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 I, I, I think it kind of failed on a few sort of levels for me. Yeah. For me. Yeah. 
And I mean, again, we can go back and we can sort of legislate on that at one point. But will we go and will we name the movie that we thought was the worst film to come into the list this year? Sure. We'll, we'll see, see, if, see, if, we see can, if we tally on if this If we can one. recapture the magic here. Yeah. So, so three, two, one. Hacksaw, Hacksaw Ridge. Ridge. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and again, you can go back and listen to the podcast and hear us rant in the various ways. Andrew, I think, hates it a lot more. Yeah. Not a lot more, but a little more than I do. I think I liked it a lot less. Yeah. yeah. But I didn't like it either. It's not good. And it's still on the list. And in terms of films that we would add to the list, um, just to replace Hacksaw Ridge? I've got to say... Uh, oh, sorry. In the last year? Well, in roughly the last year, yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, since we started recording, so... I think someone might have said it on the night, and I'd agree with it, is Nocturnal Animals. That's a good one. I think... Was that uh, Babu who said that? Babu suggested or, Nocturnal Animals. Yeah. yeah. And it's a good choice. I would personally add Hell or High Water, because um, I feel like that didn't get as much love as it deserved. I'd like to see that, because you've you've spoken about it. I know we don't always agree on movies, but... but, but I, I, the I, level I, of passion. Yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd like I'd like to I'd like to see it. Um, yeah, hopefully it's, it's better than Hacksaw Ridge anyway. Um, I'd, 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 be willi- I'd be willing to bet. I would be safe to say that's a substitution. But anyway, so we, we've asked these questions, but let's actually talk about the movie that we're supposed to be talking about this exactly, weekend, which yeah. is the first one that we'll be talking about in this second year that we're doing, which is Thor Ragnarok. Directed by uh, Tika Watati, um, who do you want to try it? <laughs> uh, is it, yeah, is it is it Taika Watiti? Taika Watiti, thank you very much. Well, Some, I, I, I somehow, believe that's how it's pronounced. Um, somehow his name is easier to pronounce than Ansel Elgort. Yeah, if his name was say Sean O'Driscoll, <laughs> uh, we'd be perfectly in our wheelhouse. Yeah, Kieran yeah. always seems to confuse uh, non-Irish people as well when you spell it the Irish way. Yeah, but uh, anyway, so it's basically it's the third movie in the Thor series. Um, it is. A space opera starring Chris Hemsworth, obviously. It's got a wonderful cast. Basically, it was released in the UK and Ireland at the end of October, the 27th of October. It was, wait- they waited a week and a half to release it in the States because they needed to release it in the UK and Ireland in order to hit the Halloween holidays for school children in order okay. to get the box office here. And then I think they wanted to hit the, the weekend, um, is it uh, President's Day or Memorial Day? Um, which is in November. So basically they staggered the release, which is interesting because it meant the movie didn't get onto the list until more than a week and a half after most of the world has seen it, which sort of took me a little bit by surprise. Uh, This isn't the first movie to do that. Guardians of the Galaxy did that as well, uh, where they staggered the release and it didn't get on until America. The first Uh, or the second? The second one. Okay. Um, Like it it ranked, a lot of people voted. It hit the numerical threshold for votes, but didn't get on until it was released in the States. (laughs) We saw Thor Ragnarok together actually there the other night. Uh, What did you make of it? I really, really enjoyed it. I I thought it was an awful lot of fun. I think it'll frustrate some people, but I, I, I like that uh, Marvel are leaning into that. I think it worked really well here, and I think a large part of why it worked so well was because you have this director, filmmaker in, in Taika Waititi, who has a very good sense for, for, for comedy, who's done the a variety of the Concords and... Boy, and for example, Hunt for the Wilder People, What We Do in the Shadows. Like, yeah. he's got a great film. He came over to Ireland, actually, to promote the film, and the Lighthouse Cinema, which we were very big fans of, they did an entire day screening his movies as well. Um, and I mean, they are really, really good films. They're really enjoyable. They're very funny. They, and they have a great deal of warmth to them. Because what I like about Thor Ragnarok is it's very funny and it's very broad. It's also quite clever. Like, cause, yeah. I mean, there's a tendency to think funny movies aren't clever because they're they're stupid and they make you laugh and laughing. No, for suckers but this is this is canny i think and yeah and it like and it's enlightened and because because a lot of movies will kind of like try to be funny and make stupid kind of um jokes that that might kind of work 
for 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 people who I don't know don't really have kind of who are just there to laugh or whatever, just sort of yeah. like are not engaged. But the, yeah, there, there was there was a lot of really sorry. Yeah, uh, there was a lot of really clever um, uh, y- humor in this, and some 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 and and the thing that really came across was that the actors were having a lot of fun. Yeah. I was slightly suspect that this won't stay in the list. No. Um, it, it came in surprisingly and, high, though. It's, it's up at 179 at the moment. Oh. Which well, is... And, and, like, it's fine if it doesn't stay in the list. And, and, and I suppose the other thing about the list is that it doesn't have to be all of these kind of... Um, Serious. Well, when we talk... Yeah, not, prestigious movies. Yeah, there's not a lot of comedy on there. And the comedy that is on there tends to be like Roy, like Coen Brothers comedy. Yeah. Like Airplane, for example, I, I don't think is on there, which is a shame because I love that sort of broad farce. Like, mm. I, And I think that it is sorely underrepresented. And I think it's good to have that here. Like, I mean, one of the things I like about Ragnarok is that, and you mentioned it when you said the director, Watiti, um, when he sort of, he has his own very unique style and sensibility that he brings to the film. This is very much a Watiti film in terms of... Of this is like a film that is very much in his voice and distinctively his and doesn't belong to anybody else because one of the issues that I've had with maybe some of the Marvel movies in the past is they feel very sort of corporate and very cookie cutter particularly in say the phase two or whatever when when they were doing between Avengers and Age of Ultron where they hired basically a bunch of TV directors like Joss Whedon who was a TV writer and primarily a lot of his directorial experience was in television where they hired they got they fired Patty Jenkins off Thor the Dark World to make room for Alan Taylor, who's known for his work on Game of Thrones. They hired the Rousseau brothers to do like Civil War and uh, The Winter Soldier. And basically they brought this TV sort of director sensibility where the director isn't the primary voice on the film so much as like he's the guy you hire to make sure the trains run on time. David Cronenberg described him as a tough, as a traffic cop. And I feel that one of the things that I, I like about Ragnarok and hopefully it's something... Sorry, David Cronenberg described who as a traffic cop? As a TV director, just as a concept. Just the concept of directing a TV show episode. Oh, so... You know, he wasn't directly insulting anybody I just named. Right, right, right. Um, But basically the idea is like when you're doing TV, it's the writers and the producers who are in charge. And the director's job is basically to make sure that you shoot what you're told to shoot. You get enough coverage and then the producers and the writers can edit it together. And there's a sense that that's how Marvel works. Like there are. It feels like that sentence um, ends with a comma and okay. (laughs) <laughs> you shoot what you're told to shoot. You get here on time. You hit the coverage. And you do as you, yeah. But I mean, there's all right. Well, this is the, the famous story when Leonard Nimoy was asked, like, working on Star Trek: The Original Series, what was the most important characteristic for a director? And his response was to get it done on time and on budget. Like yeah. there was no. Your job is not to be creative or to have a vision or what we think of when we think of film director. Your job is basically to shoot what you're told to shoot. Don't ask any questions. Don't go over budget and get it done by Friday. And basically that that's it. And that's sort of a sense of what in the second phase Marvel's movies were like. And there was a sense that directors who had strong vision, like Patty Jenkins, was very interested in working with Natalie Portman on Thor The Dark World. Except she sat down with Marvel and they said, basically, look, this is what we want you to do. And she's like, OK, well, I have some ideas. I'm like, no, you don't. And basically she walked and they walked by mutual agreement. And that's why Natalie Portman's not back for Thor Ragnarok. Yeah. Because she was really disappointed with how they handled the director. There's Ava right. DuVernay, you know. The- it, it, uh, he didn't break up with her. She didn't break up with him. It's, it was cre- it was creative differences it in was the a, movie. Yeah. I love that the movie the, doesn't really care. It just, yeah. just sort of grows with it. Oh, it's got a, a mutual thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, oh, by the way, great Hemsworth. Oh, thank uh, you. But um, I also... 
And then there was Ava DuVernay, who was considered for Black Panther, but she didn't do it because, again, the studio had a reputation for meddling and stuff. What I like about the Phase 3 stuff is that, and again, you can sort of see it with Iron Man 3, which is very much a Shane Black movie. This, which is very much a Watiti movie, but they also hired, like, Ryan Colger to do, who did, have you seen Creed? I have. I, I really enjoy Creed. They hired him. He's doing Black Panther. Okay. And I'm really excited about that. And, like, this is an example of the, the, the movie. That's, like, Ragnarok... When it was produced, basically, um, he pitched this. They said, all right, here's what we want to do. We want to do a movie with Thor and we want to have the Hulk in it. Yeah. And basically he came up with the idea of, he said, okay, but let's do it like with Neil and I. And he also basically said, well, look, I want to do it my way. And, uh, you know, I want to go to Australia. I want to shoot over in Australia where, you you know, I'll have freedom. I'll work with cast and crew who I know and who I trust. And, and Marvel were like, okay, well, look, if this goes horribly wrong, yeah. we'll just edit it. Uh, we'll just cut around your mistakes that you made. And there's actually a wonderful story where he took the cut. The first cut that he was happy with was two hours and 40 minutes long. Yeah. And he basically took that to Marvel and Marvel were like, what the hell is this? What is with all this improv and like joking and sort of nonsense that doesn't have anything to do with the story we want to tell? So they took a scalpel to it. They cut it down to one hour and 40 minutes and they showed it to test screenings. And test screenings were like, eh, it's kind of okay. But what we really like are the jokes with like the rock man and the yeah. conversation, the improvisation. And so Watiti sat down with Marvel and said, okay, well, look, they like the humor. So how about we edit in, we compromise and we edit in another half hour. So the final cut of the film is two hours and ten minutes long and a lot of the stuff was added was the humor stuff and that's the stuff that really sells the film absolutely and and it's 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 a funny thing because because this this does it it doesn't really there 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 isn't how how would you say the um the kind of there isn't any sort of gravitas around this movie there there isn't really a great sense of its importance or or, or, yeah but it was but i i feel like it was all the better for it yeah like i think it would be it would be messier if you were to try to 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 kind of make people care and 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 invest uh, emotionally and and make people cry and and sort of hit the formulaic beats well i mean we'll probably talk about this in the spoiler zone but i mean i i really really like it i think plot in terms of plot it's a mess but i think like it's very funny it's everybody working on it is having a great time it's visually very interesting it sounds amazing it's great fun and it's clever like as much as the plot doesn't make sense and as much as like there's a lot of exposition as much as the the plot sort of struggles to hit all the beats that it has to hit and to deliver all the exposition that it has to deliver because it's a marvel movie there's also a sense that with tt likes these characters and understands these characters in a way that is subtle and clever like i feel like everybody in the film is in the film for a purpose. I think that maybe there's a bit too much. I think maybe there are some too many characters in there. I think maybe it struggles to balance all of those characters in relation to one another. But Watiti understands what drives these characters and what makes them work, I think. And I I think you said about how um, Watiti wanted, um, had his own vision and wanted to do, um, do something very specific. I believe Chris Hemsworth as well had, well, this is what he says in interviews, that he had kind of grown sick of the the Thor character, and that he did want to do something different, yeah. and 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 that he he was, well, yeah. Let, let, I, I guess either either he, um one way you could put it is that he was very on board because it it 
fitted with his own kind of um, conception of yeah. Or the other um, thing that you could say is that he he um, collaborated in terms of 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 his his idea uh, for well, the movie. Let's let's talk a little bit about this very briefly because Thor is like he's not the redheaded stepchild; he's the long haired stepchild of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and that he's the character that nobody seems to particularly care about or understand. Like he's the character who got bounced around. His movie, the original Thor with Kenneth Branagh, is one of my favorite Marvel movies, but it's famous for being completely ignored by the Avengers in terms of like continuity and plot. Like the, the movie ends with like Thor separated from the woman he loves, but the Avengers is just like, okay, bam, he can transport there magically. We're not going to deal with that cliffhanger because that's not what we're interested in. It's like the Avengers is like, okay, let's use Loki, but why, why is he there? What does that have to do with what he did in Thor? I don't care. We just want some action sequences. You had the famous situation with uh, the Dark World, where the Dark World was horribly butchered and edited and it's generally regarded as one of the weaker Marvel films because nobody working on the film seems to have any idea what they're trying to do. There's like the Age of Ultron where like all the characters have big arcs like Bruce Banner has this love story and Iron Man builds this sort of computer that threatens to destroy the world and Steve Rogers sort of has this central conflict with him and trying to figure out his place in the world but Thor's job in Age of Ultron is just to go into a cave and have a vision that teases out the future of the Marvel Universe. Like there's a sense that like Thor is a character that nobody's particularly invested in into the point where like he's the only of the major avenger characters he's the only character whose three movies in his original trilogy have been written directed by three separate people i think he's the funniest character though he is i love yeah, Thor. i think there's he's... there's there's something very very funny about the whole idea of him as he's presented in <laughs> yeah. the movies because he's this kind of like vainglorious sort bro of, basically yeah yeah and he he's kind of um he's a god and he's very like aware of him himself <laughs> as this but he's also kind of like a little um uh, insecure and he's he's insecure but he's also i love that the movies consistently humiliate him in a way that they don't do with say tony stark or with say steve rogers where they're sort of serious characters that have to be taken at face value yeah. whereas thor like he's introduced getting hit by a van in his own movie there's like i love in the first thor Every time he declares, you can't do this, I'm the son of Odin, he's immediately like punched in the face or like given a tranquilizer or sort of rolled over or falls down yeah. or gets hit by something. And that sort of continues through his movies. There's like this wonderful sense of like, yeah, it's, it's hubris except with a god. It's like every time Thor starts to go, oh, wait, I'm actually a Norse god of thunder. Basically, the universe backs him down and says, you know, get, get back in your box. Yeah. Like he's he's immensely likable as a character, which I think sort of distinguishes him from, say, Steve Rogers or yeah. Tony Stark, where the, they're, the movies are too much in love. Well, not in love with them, but they... They don't. They take them, I think, perhaps a little bit too seriously in places. Yeah, I mean, the, yeah, because there is the funny thing about R- Rogers is that he's a fish out of water and doesn't get um, pop culture uh, references. Pop culture references. The but there's a, a central kind of tragedy to yeah. Uh, he's, to, he's, to he's him. the moral compass of the universe almost. Like he's the he's basically and fundamentally decent. Yeah, and um, and, and 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 with Tony Stark, it's it's. It's kind of a bit cheap because it's it's all a whole lot of kind of one-liners and and like him um, quipping and and being irreverent and um, glib um, 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 about everything. But but there 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 isn't there isn't the same kind of um, central uh, humor to him that 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 kind of comes out of his character. Yeah, he's the he's the foundation stone of the Marvel universe as well. So there's a sense the films have to respect him in that. Yeah. sense. like um, whereas Thor just is an awkward cog that doesn't really fit. Yeah. 
And that's kind of what makes him so much fun. And that's like, I, I'm, this is surprising no one, I'm a bit of a comic book fan. What I've always loved about the character of Thor is the sense that he is this larger than life buffoonish sort of Norse god who's basically like, oh, by the way, mortals are doing superheroes now, so I might as well get in on that action. And there's kind of this sense that the character is constantly like reappropriated and sort of reworked and reinvented. Like Ragnarok is the cycle of death and rebirth for the Norse gods. They're constantly like reimagined and reconceptualized for the new era. So I like this idea of Thor as like a Norse god who's basically said, well look capes are in this summer so that's what we're doing we're going okay i'm gonna fight robots that's what's happening i'm gonna have space adventures now it's like you take a concept that is sort of old and mythic and you just sort of run it through the grinder and just sort of go with this crazy big imagination stuff and that's what i love about thor ragnarok is that it it embraces this sort of like this jack kirby stan lee sort of stuff where it's like oh by the way he's a norse god yeah he's a superhero yeah and uh why don't we have him go into space and fight robots or something okay let's go with that that's we gotta hit a deadline we're gonna go with it and has this sort of bright color sort of techno. It doesn't really make sense if you think too much about it, but it looks great. And it sort of has this energy and verve and charm that carries it, I think, that really, really works for me. Yeah, no, absolutely. All right, so I guess then what we'll do is we'll segue into the spoiler zone. Just in terms of, you mentioned earlier, you're happy it's on the list. I'm actually quite happy that it's on the list at the moment. I don't see it sticking around. That's okay with me. But I think it's nice that this is being acknowledged as a movie that is good. Yeah, it's it's nice to have kind of like... um... And, and, and a bit of fun, yeah. like, um, kind of wa- wa- watching a movie. And you're quite right. There's not enough comedy. I think I mentioned um, Groundhog Day, but that uh, Groundhog Day is, 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 is... One of the few exceptions. Like- yeah, yeah. And, 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 and Groundhog Day as well, just to be clear, isn't isn't a silly movie. No. Um, like, there's, a, there's a profound sort of tragedy to it yeah, as well. Yeah. Like, And I think that this is very goofy and very broad. And I like it, like... I can be very cynical when I talk about Marvel movies and that makes me sound pretentious and horrible and, and sort of like, when we were on this podcast, darn pretentious and horrible, never. But uh, I do tend to, to take things maybe a bit too seriously. What I like about Ragnarok is that it captures, like, the Marvel Studios approach of it being bright and fun and colourful. I don't think it works very well with, say, The Winter Soldier or Civil War because those movies try to have stakes and don't really because characters are quipping and being funny and being ironic and they've got that sort of Joss Whedon, nothing really matters, everything's pretend and make-believe. And Isn't this a bit silly, let's wink at the audience stuff that doesn't work for me? I think it works better in the DCU. Not well, we're not going to draw into it. Yeah. But, yeah, and, <laughs> and, and the... Um... the uh, DC Comics Extended Universe we won't get drawn into that debate because I, I think you're right in that like just because something is darker and heavier doesn't make it better I... yeah and like the, the plays that I like the best are the ones that that, that can both uh, in 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 the same showing make me cry and laugh and I feel like uh, too too many movies either either fail to do both or fail to do one and and that they they kind of have that limitation and that sometimes when they try to do both, they get the tone wrong. Um, that it's a kind of a delicate balance. Uh, but this was very much in one camp. Yeah, and very much yeah. in the laugh camp as well. Yeah, and it did. It didn't. Um, it didn't um, compromise that. All right. So with that in mind, then let's segue gently into the spoiler zone. his own so andrew what was thor ragnarok about for you it was about 
a <laughs> what was it about? It was hilarious. It really was. Yeah. So um, there were there were there was there was so much funny stuff in this. Even Taika Waititi's um, character of character Korg. of Korg in the rock. In this movie. The ro- yeah. He says it was inspired by these. Um, uh, bouncers in in New Zealand who are these like giant guys, but they're they're just very very quiet guys. You're you're um I I'm afraid I can't let you in tonight. And your Watiti impersonation is probably not as good as your Hemsworth, but let's go with it. No, and, uh, well, that's my impression of of him doing an impression <laughs> of 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 these. Um, We're through the looking glass here, yeah, people. Of these gentle giant um, <laughs> uh, uh, bouncers that he kind of uh, drew upon. Well, you um, know that uh, Korg is apparently he's back. He's he's going to be back in more. Marvel films in the future apparently he's the breakout character of the film which is not at all surprising well that, like it makes perfect sense like yeah we'd, we'd, we'd like to see more 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 Korg Let, let's, it, let's give an example here of like the movie's sort of clever humour like one of the best gags in the film I've seen the movie three times I saw it for the Thord time last Thursday um, and basically uh, one of the one of the smarter gags I didn't get the first time around is Korg is introduced with Meek talking about like uh you don't need to be afraid of me unless... Okay, I'm not going to do the accent. You don't need to be afraid of me unless you're a pair of scissors. That was a little bit of rock, paper, scissors humour. Um, and then later on, he talks about his failed revolution. He's like, oh, uh, I didn't publish enough pamphlets. So it turns out paper beat rock in this case. Hey. Uh, but that sort of stuff, like, Korg is fantastic. And he's he's wonderfully wry and he's very clever. And he shows up at points. Like, the movie just works. And and, and it's it, it works very well against... Uh, uh, Thor as well. The kind of the forward and back because because Thor is this person who sees himself as a as god. a hero on an epic saga, yeah. and he's talking about is like yes, I I, I um I lost my um. My, uh, hammer. my 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 hammer and it, you 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 could say it was almost like a part of me akin to losing a family member or a close friend and it's like oh, um, and uh, and you flew off on this hammer and, did and, you ride uh, the hammer no no oh, oh the hammer rode you and <laughs> it, it, it just pulled me off the hammer pulled you off <laughs> on the ground <laughs> um, yeah and uh, he's he's he and, and Thor is trying to tell this kind of like epic story and it's just being uh, cut through hilarious and sort of undercut beautifully like yeah. it's a great example of how the film constantly undercuts sort of Thor's ego which I really really like because yeah. he would be insufferable like there's Thor is is this wonderful sort of jock character but he's a the movie doesn't embrace his jockness so much as mock it. Like, there's a wonderful scene shortly before he's talking about the hammer where he bumps into uh, Valkyrie at the bar and he's all like... "When I was... <laughs> Yes, that was hilarious. <laughs> when he's like, when I was younger, I always dreamt of being a Valkyrie until I discovered that it was a bunch of elite women fighting force. Not that I have a problem with women fighting. I love women fighting. I think that's great. <laughs> yeah, I think that's <laughs> it gives a It gives a thumbs up, I think. Yeah. <laughs> but it's also, some might say I love women a little bit too much. Um, but, <laughs> but not, not in a creepy way. <laughs> The film's <laughs> conversational dialogue is fantastic, and a lot of it is improvised. And apparently, a lot of that's down to Hemsworth. Like, I mean, um, uh, when, when Titi's talked about like when he was on set, the movie's three best improvisers, and I feel sorry for Tom Hiddleston, who is obviously a classically trained British actor here. Yeah, like, it's I, a different skill set. Yeah, it's like the three best improvisers were Chris Hemsworth, Mark Ruffalo, and Jeff Goldblum, and you can sort of see that in the movie. Yeah. There, I think Rattini was saying as well that sometimes, like, 
Um, there was stuff that Jeff did that was like hilarious and weird, but like a lot of the stuff is still in the movie, but doesn't kind of like make any any sense whatsoever. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, what is he doing there? But but and but it works. Like you it can makes... even see the characters kind of looking at each other, what, what reacting what? to it. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Um, and but... and it, oh, it's 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 it. It's so good. I I feel like a lot of our comment on the movie will will, will just be enthusiastically yeah. referencing certain aspects. And of the, it. the, the uh, Stanley's cameo. Well, you, in, you know, as the guy who cuts Thor's hair. Yeah. Well, you know that. Well, several things about the cameo are worth noting. First of all, um, the fact that it was clearly not shot in the same space that Hemsworth was in because they've shot Lee's cameos yes, ahead of time. Yeah. You you've you've, you've I think you've, I mentioned that in Guardians. You've told me this because because he's like my hands aren't as steady as. They used to be, and the, the hilarious thing is the the kind of vanity of Thor because he's like, "Don't cut my hair." No, no. it starts out with, "You dare not cut the hair of Thor," and then basically Stanley sort of turns <laughs> on them with, "Don't cut my hair." Um, but it does have this one. You know the reason why they cut the hair was Hemsworth hated the wig. That's right. Um, Hemsworth was the really. Wig. I know we're, so, we're shattering. Yeah. This is the whole movie illusion sort of gone. It's like next thing you'll be telling me they didn't actually shoot the Sakaar scenes on an alien planet. Yeah, um, it's it, like like I can imagine probably off the basis of the movie he probably got ads for L'Oreal. Yeah, I think it is is something that Chris Rock has said. Beyonce has ads for L'Oreal. Even though, like, it's a, a weave or a wig at times. Yeah. And I mean, like, that's not uncommon. I mean, when even to go back, and we're big Star Trek fans here, as, as you may have noticed. On Star Trek The Next Generation, Marina Sirtis used to get fan mail for her hair and felt really disillusioned when she had to tell people actually most of that is a, as a headpiece. Yeah. Um, but it is, there's a sense that, yeah, he was, he was apparently really, really sick and tired of it. And Marvel basically said, okay, we'll write it out for you. And it's, I love that the movie sort of does that kind of cleverly. It does that in a way that's sort of fun and exciting and sort of engaging yeah but i mean i no no one who has hair that 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 long has as oh it's it's i just haven't cut it in a while they really ha- care about their They've hair. sort of invested in yeah. that sort of image of themselves um but i mean let's let's talk a little bit about this in terms of one of the movies one of the issues with the movie and and like i want to say up front i absolutely adore this movie i've seen it three times i loved it more each time i saw it, which is quite rare when you're yeah. talking about a movie um but one of the problems with the film i would well the movie has i think some problems along the way in that a lot the first half hour of the movie is absolutely crammed in terms of plot in that you can see basically that marvel sat down with batidi and said here's a list of things that you absolutely have to do before you can get to the stuff you want to do so we want to do you have to deal with the cliffhanger from the dark world where loki's in charge of asgard you have to introduce surtur and the end of world and ragnarok you have to then you know sort of visit odin and have odin die and discover that thor and loki have a secret half sister oh by the way can you work a doctor strange cameo in there at the same time and like in the first half hour it's really condensed and it's really it feels very like formulaic like beat 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 plot wise thing is though i feel like having have have having a lot of a lot of scenes and and a lot of kind of exposition gives you that kind of potential for 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 more joke kind of variety and density (laughs) so 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 you're making like for 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 example, the movie starts with exposition. Yes. Where where um, Thor what? Thor is talking 
um, ex- uh, describing his story of like the the and what happened after he went into going, the cave in Age of Ultron, and, and he's I, just like he just dismisses it while talking to a skeleton. And I really appreciate that be, because I don't think people should have. I I think earlier in the episode I talked about um, Harry Potter yeah. and the Deathly Hallows Part Two. I don't think people should have to watch all of the Marvel Universe movies. I think sometimes they try to, they they very consciously try to sort of build this world and set up other movies, but I think movies should stand alone. Yeah. And that's actually kind of useful that that, that, is... that he's giving some of that, but the 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 really enjoyable part of that is that he he's he's talking to this uh to this skeleton. Yeah. Well, I mean... um, like this is the thing about Thor as compared to the other Marvel heroes because I talked about how much I loved him like before we got to the spoiler zone even here there's a sense that Thor is a character who really enjoys being a superhero like too many superheroes have angst I mean it works with Spider-Man but it's the default model for the Marvel Universe it's like my blessing is my curse it's really hard for Steve Rogers to be like a paradigm moral virtue it's really hard for Tony Stark to have to take responsibility for his actions Thor on the other hand seems to genuinely love being a superhero hero and, and it comes up throughout like there's the great scene where he's being captured by Surtur and he's sort of being like he's getting the exposition dump and he's really he's loving the villain monologue so much that when he turns around and he can't see Surtur he's like hold on hold on hold on hold on hold on and he wants to he wants to be facing Surtur so he can get the full effect of and I will grow as big as a mountain there's also a lovely bit later on where he's like uh, and don't worry oh I guess I'm just going to have to stop you because that's what heroes do <laughs> and then there's an awkward like two second pause he's like oh I didn't time that right um, there's also a lovely moment later on where he has the big speech where he gives the Valkyrie where he's like I choose to I choose to run towards my problems and not away from them because that's what heroes do like and there's this really great goofy sense that Thor loves being a superhero in a way that most superheroes don't he that's runs refreshing the window yeah, yeah. <laughs> He throws the ball and the ball knocks him down. But <laughs> oh, yeah. but it is it's got that wonderful sort of vibe to it. Like it's really enjoyable because the characters like even like like Thor has a really crappy day over the course of Thor Ragnarok. He discovers that he's got a, a sister that he never knew existed. His beloved hammer, which he loved like an intimate family member, is crushed. His father dies. His brother is responsible for that. But again, you have this wonderful moment where the Hulk is revealed and like most in most other superhero movies it would be like oh my god the Hulk this is horrible how am I going to get out of this situation Thor's response is to go yes it's a, the 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 joke that they've that they've put in the trailers he, he he's a friend from work um uh, that that was actually a make a wish kid yeah who suggested who, that yeah yeah who, and it's it's fantastic because it just well, maybe works, it was you who told me that but it works so well because it's it's like Thor really is really invested in this idea of himself as a superhero and it's like yeah I get to see another one of these friends it's a giant green rage monster but I get to see him and like there's a sense that it energizes him and that energy sort of infuses the rest of the film. Like you're watching characters who are broadly speaking, having a great deal of fun. Yeah. And, and the, 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 um, like that it's almost a little bit too much at times, uh, but, 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 but they are having a lot of fun where, 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 where they go off, um, as the, the revengers, um, <laughs> to, 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 to save Asgard. Like a feel, a feel, a, like like a lot of it is 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 like like talking Thor into into going along. It feels a lot like 
talking a friend into into Helping going out. Helping move a couch, yeah. Like, 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 oh, come on, there'll be, there'll be, um, oh, every, mean, everyone's going to be there. It's, 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 you mean Thor talking Hulk into it? Yeah, 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 yeah. And you know what? Once, once you're there, like, you're, you're, you're going to not want to go home. And like, You'll well, love it. It's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's got that wonderful sort of stuff. I mean, even, like, Watiti is clearly, like, loving, he's joked, um, he's joked about how basically he did it for money because he wants to pay for like his family's sort of, you know, continuing to live and not eat off uh, an indie director's <laughs> salary. And I think that's perfectly reasonable. But it's also like you can tell with TT had a great deal of fun making it. There's a wonderful New York Times profile where he would talk about like how they would film on set and he would make sure that the sound director would rig him up with a mic so that it would broadcast randomly to the rest of the cast while they were shooting. But he would pretend like he didn't know it was on and say things like... Uh, are you sure we can't get another Chris <laughs> uh, and stuff like that while Hemsworth was working. But like, even when he's doing stuff like that, you can tell that he loves doing sort of like the big, stupid superhero stuff. Like the, the sequences set to uh, Led Zeppelin's immigrant song, for example. I, 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 one kind of thing about that is that I love the immigrant song. They use it twice. And I feel, I feel like, I suppose maybe it'll be new to some people, but I, I, I feel like with a movie, where we have these action scenes and you have to kind of put in awesome music there's an opportunity there to put something in there that something might somebody mightn't have heard and especially if you're going to use it twice those are two songs that you could <laughs> uh, that you that you, you could have used yeah i feel like um you know, if you're if you're going to use um, immigrant song you get to use it once well, and you know why they use immigrant song obviously right it's a, yeah of course because it's a viking song and it's a viking rock song and this is like a a viking space opera epic sort of stuff so it sort of fits that pop cultural match stuff but like i love the sense that even at the end like he, he gives all these characters these big hero moments like there's a wonderful sequence where valkyrie puts on her superhero costume makes the fireworks come out of the crashed spaceship yes. and walks in slow motion towards <laughs> the hordes of zombies yeah and it's just like this is a superhero movie and this is great fun and this is absurd and brilliant and kind of like it's goofy it makes no sense but it's ridiculous absolutely even uh carl urban's character gets his 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 kind of redemption uh, uh, with des and troy which is yeah. a, a moment taken directly from walt simonson's work which is perhaps too uh too influential in the film like i would argue the movie doesn't need scourge the movie doesn't need the carl urban character like it's great that he's there and i like that he gets a full character arc yeah i'm, I'm, I'm i feel I, like the movie's I overstuffed think they needed somebody to to, to 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 go along with her on, with Hela yeah. with Hela on Asgard. Well, let's talk about this. Are, this... Are the the other option you could have you could have went with there is having her like have two or three sort of um, henchmen like like um, like Captain Zod would have or or, <laughs> or um, yeah General Zod to you, thank you very much. Um, well, sorry, I mean when he was a captain. Oh yeah, um, yeah, before he was a general. Yeah. Um, and of course he was a commandant, commandant Zod. Um, um, well, that's the thing is that like because we talked a little bit about like that's another thing that doesn't and again these are things that are minor and and really don't bother me because the movie's so much fun but I'm still going to mention them anyway <laughs> but the the sense that like the stuff the stuff that doesn't really work here is the Marvel formula stuff where you have the villain like Hela who is introduced as like the lost twin sister of a uh, lost night no, lost older sister of Loki and Thor 
who was never mentioned before and who was the goddess of death and who wants to use the armies of Asgard to conquer the rest of the nine realms and so on and so forth where she's just a, like she's an iteration of the same sort of stock Marvel villain that you've seen in stuff like for example the Dark World or yeah. or like Doctor Strange where it's like you have somebody who doesn't just want to destroy this world wants to destroy all worlds and so the stakes are are high now and like the movie doesn't devote too much attention to her it doesn't because she like, she's isolated she is a stand-in though for like it's um you 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 kind of set up a villain and 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 stakes and you do it in a in a you could you you could you could have devoted more attention to to that part of the movie um i, I think, well i think the movie devotes too much attention to it is the problem like because when you when you get when i don't thor... think it devotes very much attention at all to it okay. though because when loki and thor get stranded on sakar and they basically have their fun sort of improvisational event uh, adventure which is when like Korg shows up and the grandmaster shows up the movie occasionally has to cut back to asgard to scenes between helen between scourge and it feels like she's too divorced from anything that's happening to really make a difference in terms of like, there are some good jokes in there. I particularly like her discussion of, like, back in my day, uh, kings used to have executioners. Not just to execute people, but to execute their vision, but primarily to execute people. Um, like, and and Blanchett is having an amazing... Like, Blanchett is chewing the scenery. She's going full goth, like, vamping it up. One of the things that I, I like, the Marvel formula... Like, they've always, they've had a villain problem from the outset, from, like, Iron Man, where Jeff Bridges was like, well, I guess the movie's winding down, I should probably put on a suit of armor and rampage through Los Angeles. Like, they've always had an issue with, like, building believable or compelling, a compelling antagonist. The Dark World is a great example of this, where you cast Christopher Eccleston, cover him in plasticine, and make him deliver most of his lines in a language that doesn't exist. Which is, why the hell would you hire uh, Christopher Eccleston for that? But, like, with, say, Doctor Strange, and with this, what they've discovered is that if you cast an actor who is willing to have a bit of fun and to go out there and to sort of chew the scenery, like, in Doctor Strange, it's Mads Mikkelsen. And Mads Mikkelsen is playing this stock generic character who wants to spread death across the universe. But he's also Mads Mikkelsen. So you have these wonderful... Yeah, you have these wonderful moments where you have this sort of conversation between him and Strange where it's like... How long have you been at Kamataj, Mr... Doctor... Mr. Doctor. It's strange. Maybe. Who am I to judge? <laughs> um, and it's just, it plays beautifully. It has that sort of like witty repartee where it's like you can tell they hired him after watching Hannibal and we're like, okay, do that, but with more CGI. And with Blanchett, like Blanchett is very clear. Like she's skulking around <laughs> like scenes where Carl Urban is just following her around, providing like exposition and delivering like very solemn fake British accent sort of stuff. But she's loving, she's clearly enjoying it and she's carrying these scenes by herself, but they do feel to me slightly more than slightly disconnected from anything that's happening in the rest of the film yeah like i feel like when you get to sakar sakar is just an amazing place it's an amazing like it's got that sort of comic book feel to it where it's all primary colors yeah uh, and it's, it's all it's 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 so it's so good the 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 the, the art direction on this if, if if it feels like taika watiti has the same kind of facility with that sort of stuff as say a um wes anderson or a, a, a director of that kind yeah because like a lot of directors are very uh, well able to kind of create something that looks um very kind of sharp and realistic and make it look kind of beautiful 
but um, it's a special kind of a talent to create this world that is very unreal, unreal and bright and primary. And, yeah, and doesn't look like this world and, and has its own kind of look to it. Well, it's modeled on the obviously the comic books of Jack Kirby, and you can see a lot of that in there at the you know sort of the, the Celestials and stuff like that. But it's also modeled a lot on the work of uh, Jodorowsky, the guy who did Dune, and particularly his his aborted version of Dune. And if you watch the documentary on Dune, you'll see a lot of the same color schemes there, where everything is bright and primary, and everything is sort of like there's a great scene where thor like as he's leaving hulk he's like ah the, your decoration's terrible the red the white just pick one because <laughs> it, it's it's wonderful and it's sort of vivid and it's like even jeff goldblum playing the grandmaster where he's coated in gold where he's sort of got this gold sort yeah, of gown and going has this kind of blue painted goatee and yeah it's it's just striking and it's beautiful and it's amazing to sort of look at <laughs> I, I, I i jeff goldblum was 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 just so good he's he's kind of like oh what do we have here and then and it, like they have to kind of push him the, yeah, the, i want to take a closer look the, yeah the 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 kind of forward and back between him and his uh, topaz played Top- by rachel house who's a regular of of watiti she popped up in say the hunt for the wilder people for example um topaz topaz um so their their kind of forward and back was fantastic because yeah. <laughs> like she the, he he's he's melted somebody earlier in the movie as a, as a he was a, a cousin who's betrayed him yeah you, and, and, you don't and find then, out why it doesn't matter but la- later on in the movie um loki and valkyrie are sort of dragged before him and yeah and loki sort of cuts across him he's like ah, bup, bup, bup. And and Topaz very helpfully offers him the the melt stick as he refers. And he's <laughs> like, "Oh, they interrupted me. It's hardly a capital <laughs> offense." <laughs> like suspended interrupting, and 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 when, even when, earlier when when sort of Valkyrie, yeah, yeah it's where, like I'm always saying, um, I'm, we talk about you all the time, Scrapper One for Two, and, and Topaz is like trash. <laughs> <laughs> you were just waiting to say trash. It doesn't even start with a B. <laughs> Booze hound. <laughs> it's like best. We say best, but like there is this. Like Goldblum has this wonderful sort of comic energy to him as well that sort of plays through like there's a wonderful sequence where um, just a strangeness about yeah. him like he he's he's a genuine eccentric yeah and, and that sort of comes across here he's sort of been unleashed like there's a wonderful sequence where Loki you know Thor is sort of captured and sort of like he's brought before the Grand Master and he meets Loki and Loki's been there for weeks and the Grand Master explains time works very different around here on any other world he'd be like millennia old but here I'm like and he sort of does this weird glancy thing, like flirty eyebrows at Loki, as if to say, well, what age do you think I am? Um, and it just plays beautifully. It's one of those moments where you get a sense that Goldblum was kind of unleashed. It's just it's fantastic. <laughs> it's so good. Um, something I really enjoyed was the, and, and this will be, I guess, an episode where we mostly It's going to be like, mostly bits we like. Talk about bits we like. I know you said you didn't you didn't like all of the kind of exposition that was thrown in, oh, but the yes, um, this, on Asgard where, where they they have a play. Yes, where the tragedy of Loki of Asgard. This is where Loki has replaced his father and has basically built a giant statue to himself and is sort of sitting down watching plays presented <laughs> of his own life and his tragic loss so that and, Asgard may mourn him. And Odin is played by Sam Neill. 
Loki is played by Matt Damon. And Thor is played by one of the other Hemsworth brothers as well, to make it a particularly <laughs> nice touch. Uh, Luke Hemsworth, the old, the eldest Hemsworth. But you know the deal with the... You know what, amazing. You know what the deal was with... Well, first of all, it's, it's great exposition because it, it does what you were talking about earlier, where it brings the audience up to speed if they haven't already seen. Yeah, but it, and, and it does it in a hilarious way. Yeah. So, so like, like, exposition can be a drag. Yeah. But when it's one artful way of doing it in a very funny movie is making it hilarious yeah. and 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 also changing the way that you present it yeah as opposed so, to it just being like dialogue or it yeah, just being yeah. like characters like, oh as you know by the way yeah like you know what the deal was with uh, matt damon's cameo was basically they were basically they were trying to figure out how they would do this because they wanted to do this and they said well tt said well look i've worked with sam neil obviously on like hunt for the wilder people and stuff like that so i can get him to come down and apparently he was also considered for the role of odin in the original uh thor movie okay. and okay and so like marvel were like oh by the way well we'll get one of the other Hemsworths because that's kind of funny you know because be- yeah. there are so many of them there's bound to be one of them lying around um, and then apparently Chris Hemsworth's contribution to the conversation was oh by the way I could ask my mate Matt Damon to pop over and apparently Marvel Studios were like yeah sure you ask Matt Damon to pop over and <laughs> you know pop up in the background of one scene uh, playing uh, you know stage version of Loki like yeah, you go off and do that Chris see how far it gets you and apparently Damon flew down specifically to do two days of shooting uh, with them which is an amazing Cause, story because I was watching I, I, I think a clip from Kimmel where Matt Damon kind of interrupts in- an interview and I was thinking what does Matt Damon have to do well, with, 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 with Thor Ragnarok and now I, I found out well uh, he apparently has a long running feud with Kimmel it's a recurring Matt Damon. joke yeah it's a recurring you joke you don't watch a lot of Kimmel do you no no yeah, yeah. It's, I'm familiar it's, with the, the long-running feud, though. Okay. It's not an actual feud. It's no, a bit. no. It's, I get it. It's a bit. Thank you, thank you, Andrew. You were, you were saying this like it was um, Hollywood gossip Like wrestling. Yeah, like, like you're like wrestling. Um, it's like kayfabe or whatever they call it. Yeah. You don't break character. <laughs> no, obviously, it's a recurring bit where, where they've had a back and forth, where they've tried to constantly one-up each other in sort of stagey yeah. ways on the show, where Damon has usurped and sort of like snuck in and, and been bumped off and all this sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so there, there is a sense of that. I mean, Damon has a long history of doing sort of cameos and making these sort of small appearances in films for friends and colleagues and stuff like that. And so it's not, it's kind of nice. And it's great when you see him because it takes you, he's wearing this ridiculous wig <laughs> and it just sort of takes you a moment to go, there's no way they got Matt Damon to do this little role. And then all of a sudden, you realize, yes, yes, it is. It's like, uh, it's like Charlton Heston in, in, in Wayne's World too. Where we went a very different direction at that, but go ahead. No, yeah, the, the, how? The, I, I mean, it's not quite because it's 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 Matt Damon, not yeah. Charlton Heston. But yeah, where 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 you have this? Um, I guess it it's yeah, where in a comedy movie you put you put quite a big character in quite a small performance that kind of almost makes fun of them. Yeah, like in, in the um, not a great movie, but I think it was the start of Goldmember. Where you have uh, Steven Spielberg, Directing Tom Cruise, to Gwyneth Paltrow, yeah. Danny DeVito, and Kevin Spacey. Exactly. And you have them sort of making these sort of small roles. I mean, it is, it, and it works very, very well. It does exactly what it needs to do, which is it spells out the the exposition that you need to know about Loki before you watch the rest of the film. But it also is very funny and very clever. And I love the bit, I love the bit where the choir, they play the music from <laughs> Thor the Dark World from the same scene. And you imagine, and then it cuts the shot of the choir 
choir and the windpipes in the background playing the music <laughs> as well. And it's just, it's so wry and it's so self-aware. And it's like, it would be insufferable if it wasn't so carefully calibrated. Like, I think everything in That's, this movie... You is, have to have such a great sense of it. And yeah. like, if you don't have that, it's it's difficult to kind of... Because a lot of movies, they, they, they bring in kind of like comedians to oh, kind to of do, to punch up stuff. it doesn't work like that yeah you, you you have to have somebody making the movie who gets this stuff and and who has that touch yeah well i mean what tt is incredible on the script but he did several passes on it and you can sort of see that bleed through and it works very very well like i mean and we talked a lot about the humor and the bits in the film that work like I think it's actually, it's legitimately a clever, a very smart movie. And it's smarter than a lot of people are giving it credit for. Because you've, you've talked about this where you said at the start, where you think that people are maybe being a bit sort of dismissive of sort of comedy and stuff like that. Where sort of like... Yeah, where people I, are I think s- something that came across in our anniversary episode was a lot of the things that people would have, uh, things that aren't on the list classics uh, that people would like to put in. A lot of them were comedies. Yeah, and I mean, I think like... This is a comedy and it's very broad and it's very funny and it does have some plotting problems. But I think like it's very clever and it's very well absorbed in several places. Like its character dynamics are quite, it tells stories that are interesting with these characters. It's not like it turns Thor into a comedy or into into like a joke of himself. Like Thor has a very clear and discernible arc in the film, which is that he doesn't want to be king of Asgard. He doesn't want to inherit the throne and so as a result he spends large portions of the film tied to chairs that he doesn't want to be in which is a very nice bit of visual symbolism like you get it obviously in the great bit when he arrives on Sakaar and where he sort of gets dragged through the yeah. pure imagination chamber <laughs> yeah <laughs> that was hilarious yeah. they had the, the, the kind of tune and everything yeah. and, um, then, and then the bit where it gets all kind of weird and, and he screams <laughs> and it just cuts to the grandmaster the staring. whole thing he's not, he's not enjoying it though whole time but yeah this hilarious where he he screams and then he's in a room surrounded by people and all embarrassed because he's this big great uh, god of thunder but he's screaming like a little girl and there's lord of uh, thunder but Uh, but i mean there's also even like later on when he gets when he gets his hair cut he's sort of tied down to a chair as well and so you have that like progression where at the end of the film Thor not only becomes a leader of a team, the Avengers. And by the way, I really like that the film undercuts this idea of Thor as a single-minded hero. There's lots of great scenes that are well, like shots that are well constructed where Thor basically says, it's like you, me, and the big guy. And there's like this shot of him pointing over his shoulder at somebody who's going to be his muscle. Like later on, it's like when he's confronting Hela, he's like, oh, I don't think I can stop you. I think he can. And you get this sort of nice shot behind him of Suter or Surtur rising up as well. But you get this sort of interesting, like, and even the relationship between Thor and Loki, which isn't, like, it isn't as archetypal as it is in, say, the original Thor. But it plays through the film, I think, very cleverly and very interestingly. It really does. The 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 the, the relationship between them and the, it, it's, it's actually kind of poignant. Yeah. It, like, like, it, it makes it, sense, it's, I think. It's kind of affecting and it's believable and there's a lot of heart to it. Yeah. The the kind of conversations that they have when 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 he when he says like to his brother, um, I've like look up look looked up to you all my life, and like I, I, I wanted to kind of ride I, into battle. Uh, with, with I never lost with faith you. in you. And uh, yeah, and but you're 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 a, a different. Um, we're uh, on different. Paths. We're on different paths, and like there was a lot of respect. 
yeah. in 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 that. But and, I also, and, and, also, and then you see in Loki how he's genuinely kind of affected by that. Well, this is the thing. I actually like Loki is arguably the greatest villain that like Marvel, this Marvel Cinematic Certainly Universe, my favorite. Yeah, has produced. And one of the things that's interesting about Loki as a character is that he's arguably more of Odin's son than Thor is. Yeah. In that Loki is, and obviously you get that with him literally impersonating Odin, for example. Yeah. But you get that even in this film. And one of the things, like, one of the things I think this film does very cleverly is it plays with this idea of imperialism and sort of legacy and, like, the, the legacy of violence and the idea that you build an empire yeah, on and, bones and then And then you blood. wash over it. Yeah, and you sort you of... Tell paint... whatever version of the story you want to tell. Yeah, which is exactly what Loki does. And there's this recurring theme throughout the film where Loki is more reflective of who Odin really is than Thor in terms of like he's rewriting his Loki is introduced rewriting history and then you find out that Odin has actually just done exactly the same thing you have the wonderful scene where Hela confronts them in Norway and she's like you know you don't look like him and then Loki says oh look we can reach an accommodation like oh you sound like him and you have this sort of thing that plays out where Loki has always wanted the throne and Loki's always wanted power and Loki's always basically wanted to be accepted like for all that he hates Odin and for all that he hates Thor like you get a sense that all Loki really wants is to be accepted and sort of loved and embraced and recognized I think he resents yeah. them r- rather than, than 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 hates them I think hate would be too strong a word because he wants to be loved and yeah. he wants to be kind of recognized um, in terms of like status and, and well and have that. statues I think built it, on. it matters a great deal what um, Others Thor, think Thor and, 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 and Odin think of him. I, I love Loki as well because he's the god of mischief. <laughs> and and um, there's so much satisfaction in, in, you know, messing with people. And I know I've never messed with you, Darren. But, At all. Uh, uh, yeah, but... Um, well, there is messing with people. And then there's turning yourself into a snake because you know I love snakes. And then when I pick up the snake, you turn back into you and you say, ah, and you stab me. <laughs> That's a beautiful... I love that story. That, that sequence is like one of my favorite gags in the film because Hemsworth delivers it with such earnestness. It's fantastic. Um, I just He's love like, oh, the snake stab me. Yeah. But I, I just love how, like, when Thor tells the story, to him, every progression is logical. It's like, oh, by the way, I like snakes uh, in this story that I'm telling. Um, that is why he turned into a snake. Um, or even the time when, when Loki's like, I'm sorry for the time I turned you into a frog, which is another reference to the Simonson run, but is like, yeah, I can sort of see it. It's... Uh, there is like this this wonderful sort of sense that runs through it, and I, I like what I like about Ragnarok in particular is the sense that Thor himself grows over the course of the film, in a sense that like at the end of the Probably film, less than the first movie, less, but I think still substantial. Like there's like when Loki does his little ruse at the end, where he tries to sneak off and to to basically to turn Thor over to the Grandmaster and set himself up for life. Yeah. Like, Thor has already predicted that. Thor has understood that it will be in Loki's nature to betray him. And he's already sort of yeah. set up and countered that. And he has this wonderful little speech, which is sort of jokey. And it's like, oh, ha, ha, ha. We're sort of spoofing this idea of character development. But it is also a reflection of character development where it's like, you know, life is about change and growth. But you're sort of still stuck being you That's when right. you could be so much more. Um, and it does get into that nice little dig where he's and like. Then, and then that feeds into Loki's arc. Yeah, where Loki basically realizes that 
that and <laughs> declares himself, hello, Asgard! Yeah, <laughs> rather, rather than pretending to be um, the the saviour or the hero, he decides that he wants to actually go and be. The not, hero. A, not only to be perceived as such, but definitely to be perceived as such, <laughs> but, but to actually be as such. Um, build a statue to me. Make sure I'm wearing the cool helmet, the one with the horns. Um, <laughs> but I mean, there, there is a lot of that that runs through it. And one of the things I actually like about Ragnarok, and as much as people like talk, as, as light as it seems, it actually makes a point to have the characters change from one to the other. Because this is an issue, I think, with superhero films and superhero sequels, is that like when you tell a superhero story, the reason why we have so many goddamn origin stories is that origin stories with superheroes are generally the only stories where characters change from beginning to end like you begin with the character not being a hero and you end with the character being a hero so you have a hero's journey the issue with a a sequel is generally that like you begin with them as a hero and you end with them as a hero so you have to figure out something to do in between that feels like that gives you he was always yeah yeah but i mean even in thor he's made unworthy and then he has to be worthy and all this sort of stuff yeah but I mean, with many superhero sequels, it's just like you do it again. So you have like the common trope of like the superhero giving up being a superhero, like in, say, Spider-Man 2 or Superman 2 or even in The Dark Knight where Batman gives up being Batman for 15 minutes. But like or what Rocky I like... Rocky Tree. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. Where you have this sort of illusion of momentum where you have them give up something but have them claim it back at the end because that gives you a hero's journey. One of the things I like about Ragnarok is that it actually makes a point of having the characters change and grow and having the status quo actually change and that you get a sense that Thor and Loki are not the same characters at the end of the film that's where at the start even just in literal terms of Thor being made ruler of Asgard as a people but like Loki being there standing beside him for the first time or even the destruction of Asgard yeah and and the the journey of Valkyrie yes because of of Valkyrie probably grew up um, with these fantasies of fighting uh, for Odin as as a Valkyrie and was always that was going to be her thing and her dream um, of what her adult life was going to be and then and then had that uh, dream kind of demolished um, yeah and then but but you see the thing is that you never really lose that kind of part of yourself that that's that's been um, buried yeah it's it's just been tainted and like um polluted and you 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 hate that part of yourself but it's there so she still has that kind of um somewhere yearn to be a yeah. hero and that sort of stuff and it does and it feels like an organic sort of story and 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 i i think like they it makes sense in the context of her character for the amount of fun that she's having later on because i think she realizes that like this is my raison d'etre. Yeah, this is my like, calling. Yeah. yeah. It's like, and I do love that she announces her return with fireworks as well. Exactly. Like, like, and there is a sense that like being a hero is fun in the world of, of like Thor Ragnarok. Like even the bit at the end where the Hulk attacks Surtur, like which in any other superhero movie will be this big epic sort of like, <laughs> oh my God, game changer. It's just like, oh, Hulk is being Hulk. Let's, 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 you know, bundle up and go home. Like, there is that sense of, like, this is just, you know, this is how things work. And this is sort of, like, it's fun to be a hero. It's not always about, like, the end and destruction of the world. Like, and I like that. I, I, I must say, I kind of, I I really have a soft spot for Hulk. I, I didn't like how yeah. uh, d- dumb he was in, 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 in this movie. I, I, I don't, I don't, I don't want that to. Uh, be his default character. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm. 
like I'm not a big fan of how the movie used Hulk. Like you know that the deal with Hulk is that Universal own the solo movie rights. So Marvel can never produce a solo Hulk movie. Okay. Unless Universal get on board and Universal won't get on board. So basically they have to do his development in these standalone films. That's why, for example, when Whedon did Avengers and Age of Ultron, like Hulk was a focal character there because he could never have a solo movie. So he has arcs in those movies that are very much his own. So like, you know, falling in love with Natasha, for example, or even the conversation with Harry Dean Stanton where he's like, are you a big guy who gets all, are you a small guy who gets all big or a big guy who gets all small? But in this, for example, I like... There's an interesting story to be told about Hulk here, and it's based on the comic book, obviously, uh, Planet Hulk, written by Greg Pak. And uh, basically, it explores this idea of what if the Hulk got sent to a world where the Hulk was more useful than Bruce Banner? Like, if the Hulk got banished from Earth and ended up on a planet where everything that makes him feared and hated by mankind, which is his violence and his strength and his unpredictability. What if he was put in a situation where those attributes were turned heroic and into like into virtues? And there's an element of that in the film itself in that Hulk has been Hulk for two years and you've got Hulk in a hot tub and you've got like Hulk with this drinks cabinet and this giant bed. And this legion of fans. Yeah. But it's never really explored because it's, you're an hour into the movie before Hulk shows up. Like, actually, out of curiosity, do you think the movie should have preserved the surprise of Hulk showing up? Because it, it was all over the advertising campaign, but he doesn't arrive until an hour into the film. And I'm wondering, would the movie have been better if you saw it blind and it's just like, I give you the incredible... Okay. <laughs> um, I'm, possibly. Yeah. No, I'd say it, like it's always going to be the case. I suppose that yeah. it, that it's it's it, it, less you know the the better, but you also want to get people kind of excited about the movie. But it, but like having said that, say we watch Rogue One. One of the most kind of ex- exciting things I thought in 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 that movie, and and it was really dorky. What and and I'm not even a Star Wars dork. Is is. The is final the, sequence. The, yeah, with the with um Darth Darkling. Vader just cutting through people. And they didn't they didn't put that in the and actually I think we've spoken about it before. They did they did a really good job of the trailers for for, for, Rogue, for, One. for Rogue One because they put stuff in the movie that wasn't in the movie. Yeah. They, sorry, they put stuff in the trailer that wasn't in the movie. Because it probably wasn't in the movie at the time they cut the trailer. I mean there's an element of that in here, for example. Like if you're watching the trailer to Thor Ragnarok, you will notice, for example, that Kate Blanchett's Hella, she crushes the rock the the hammer. Um she crushes the hammer in a in an alleyway in the trailer. And she crushes it in a field in the movie. And apparently what happened is they decided to change it quite late. Apparently the movie went through a lot of changes late in its process, a lot of reshoots. And in fact, you can see that in the scenes sort of set in Norway. I think that when they were shooting... It looks kind of green screened. It does. It looks particularly green screened with Anthony Hopkins and with Kate Blanchett. I think it's fairly clear that they did have Hemsworth and they did have Hiddleston. Uh, but they didn't have um, they didn't have Kate Blanchett, so they had to green screen around her and use the same shots. Right, and you can see that there. Basically, that's why the the scene lo- the changes location changes between the trailer and the film, uh, which is kind of an interesting example of how how much you can change and tinker with a movie between release. You know, without it being a big deal anymore. You know, mm. without having an actor available, just using technology. Yeah. 
But uh, yeah, well, I don't... you know a lot about that, Darren. <laughs> Would I now, Andrew? I don't know. I don't know what you're possibly insinuating here. Um, but yeah, the idea of yeah, tinkering around and cutting and using slices of an actor that already exists and basically weaving them into a narrative that you want to tell in post-production. I mean, I don't know what possible experience I would have doing that. Was I alone? Am I alone in thinking Hulk wasn't really well used in this film? He had like. Uh, it's difficult to say. Like, like I, I didn't... I thought, like, a lot of the fun of Hulk is watching him kind of smash stuff, which is what you get to see here. Yeah. And I think, for me anyway, I always associate Hulk with, I guess, a couple of things. The f- f- first thing I mentioned already is him smashing stuff, specifically him Hulk smashing Loki in, in, in the Avengers, in, which yeah. gets a nice call back here. It does, because <laughs> Loki is like, I, I need to get off this planet immediately. But not even uh, that, where he Hulk smashes Thor, uh, and then, yeah. then Loki's response like, is... Now you, yeah, yeah. Now you know how it feels. Yeah. I'm a big fan of the sport. <laughs> <laughs> so the... Um, that's the one thing that I think about when I when I when I think about Hulk. The other the other thing that I think about is is him as a as 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 a side character, which I don't think kind of really fits per, perhaps very well in this movie. There there are aspects of it, but but yeah, but in, and the re- reason I I I think about his sadness is because I always think of the the um the t- uh, was it a television series with Lou Ferrigno where you have the sad yeah. walking away music and yeah the, but also also the, the lonely man um to 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 spoil it when when uh the way the way that concludes. Uh, but it, with I, the I, trial, I, isn't it? With the trial of the Incredible Hulk. I think I'm thinking of something else. Okay, well, if you want to articulate what what it was, it's him falling out of the helicopter. No, that's that's the Incredible Hulk starring Ed Norton. No, it's not. Okay. The the the, the, the um I I I haven't seen the Incredible Hulk starring starring Edward Norton. Okay. The, there 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 was a TV show of um the Incredible Hulk. That the the very last episode was him falling out of the helicopter. Okay, and that gets an ironic call back here, where Ruffalo throws himself out of a plane, which was itself that's a, that's a reference to uh, Mark Miller's work on the Ultimates, which was referenced in Ed Norton's The Incredible Hulk, where in order to Hulk up, Banner throws himself out of a helicopter and hulks up before he hits the ground because that gets his adrenaline pumping, which is the source of the gag here, where Banner throws himself out of the plane. But doesn't Hulk up and just sort of ends up smashing himself across the floor, which is what a I'm great. I'm talking about is when Hulk dies. Uh... Wouldn't he turn into Hulk before he hit the ground? I, I, it's it's probably been uh, referenced around... and sort of. No, I, I, what I was going to say is it's probably been something like maybe. 24 years or so since I've seen oh, okay. that episode of the Hulk. Okay, sorry. So it's possible I'm misremembering it. But yeah, that, that's what I remember. I remember being sad. That well, the... well, the Hulk is a fundamentally sad character in that yeah. he's... And I think he's got... He speaks to that sort of sense of like having a part of yourself that you bury deep inside yourself and you're afraid to let out. Uh, obviously because it's a giant green rage monster. Like That I think is my issue with Mark Ruffalo and that I don't buy Mark Ruffalo having a giant green rage monster buried inside of him. No. Like, I figure Mark Ruffalo's giant green rage monster is the guy who doesn't spit half the bill on pizza, for example, or who moves onto your couch for a month but stays there for three years. Like, that's the level of, like, you know, sort of the darkness inside Mark Ruffalo to an extent, whereas Ed Norton I can buy as a guy who has a giant green rage monster inside of him. And I feel like that 
the movie doesn't really i feel like it doesn't use hulk very well outside of just smashing stuff yeah and outside of like the jokes and like it plays very well like i love the conversations between hulk and thor where thor is trying to connect with hulk and you have hulk like shimming away sort of timidly like not wanting to be comforted and stuff like that yeah like, uh, or even the the smoldering fire discussion that's in the trailer i like I, I like the the dynamic between hulk and valkyrie yes as well with sort of like little girl and big guy and all yeah. this sort of stuff or even the, the bit where Banner is turned back. It's like, I think I know you. I think I know you too. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Um, and it plays very, very well. And even Thor's attempts to manage Banner and Hulk with this wonderful, sun's going up, gonna be low, sun's going down. Yeah, it's like, I'm really freaking out. <laughs> uh, uh. I do. But, and also even the bit where he's in the arena and he's like, oh, don't worry, I won't hurt you anymore. Yeah, it's <laughs> like, um, I, I have not experienced this myself, but um, I've, I've, I've had friends who, 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 who have, where they have a friend who's taking what, who's, who's taken one or another drug or perhaps one too many and is having some sort of a, um, a freak out <laughs> and trying to kind of talk them down off of that. Yeah. Um, and that sort of is what that reminded you of. Yeah. Yeah. From, from the way they described this, yeah. where, 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 where <laughs> somebody is freaking out and it's like, like, cause some people are very good at that. Yeah. <laughs> of, of, of talking somebody down and some people are not. Yeah. <laughs> and Thor is kind of more in the, in the not camp. I think. Yeah, yeah. But he's trying. He like, is trying. I also even just like the existence of Hulk just as a, as a, another stick with which the movie can beat sort of Thor where he becomes like because Thor's ego and and constantly calling out Thor's ego is something the movies do very very well yeah so you have like the sense of Thor imagining himself to be the strongest and and sort of most powerful Avenger and like the moment where when he ha- when he first sort of catches Thor off guard and he pounds him across the arena and he's like oh don't worry I won't hurt you anymore which then cuts to him getting his face ground into the concrete repeatedly <laughs> or even the bit where he's trying to sign on to the, the ship the Quinjet and he's like strongest Avenger and it's like not recognised <laughs> and he's so convinced that he's right he well, repeats it like the, the thing about that is it, feed, it, it makes sense in the context context of the movie as well because stark doesn't stark doesn't respect um thor, thor but does respect uh banner yeah he has a sort of a bromance is, exactly be, be, because because they're two kind of um weapons uh, designers basically they're scientists who design yeah. weapons of mass destruction so 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 they have that affinity of that kind of intelligence and and um Iron Man kind of sees Thor as, oh, well, you were just born with that sort of thing. Meathead, and, basically. Yeah, yeah. Point break. <laughs> yeah. Which is great. Damn you, Stark. <laughs> um, is it worth talking a little bit about Sakaar and sort of like the movie? Is the movie making a point about imperialism and sort of the consequences of imperialism with the with the story with Odin and then with the presentation of Sakaar as this world? Which in, is... in Yeah, in a very fun way. Yeah, no, not like at all in, heavy-handed. Like... Yeah, and, and you, you find you find this kind of um like forward and back between between say uh british and indian comedians about about, about the kind of impact of colonialism I'm, um if you've listened if you've listened to a few episodes of 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 the bugle you'll probably know what i'm talking about but yeah that 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 kind of satire i guess yeah. of 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 the whole kind of realities of colonialism yeah because there is a sense that Odin was it uh, proud of what he had, ashamed of how he got it, and all this sort of stuff. Yeah, and even just I love the connection of this sort of 
presentation of Sakaar is almost like Space Australia or Space New Zealand, yeah. where it's as far away from Asgard as any two systems could possibly be, and they're connected by the Devil's Anus, which to be <laughs> and again, I love the joke that the Devil's Anus opens above Sakaar but below Asgard, which gives you sort of a sense of connection between these <laughs> these two sort of the relationship that exists between them. But you have this idea that like Sakaar is, and it happens. It's discussed even in like the the, the video intro, the the pure imagination bit where Sakaar is home to all the forgotten and unloved things yeah, and, and the, it's a, the first forgotten yeah as well who's and, and he's um is that 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 i imagine is a, is a kind of an artificial um uh, origin story that, that that's been built similar to the one that um that, Odin that, has built. That, yeah that yeah and um well even he, at the he, end at the in the post credit scene where he's he's basically tries to narrativize the revolution as a draw it's like good job everybody <laughs> <laughs> and particularly me i'm gonna pat myself on the back because you need somebody to rebel against <laughs> but he is a character in the marvel universe whose brother is in yes uh, very of the good Galaxy. you are yeah. indeed yep yeah, the grandmaster and the collector Yes. Um, and basically Benicio Del Toro is yeah. the character. And they're hoping to get the two of them together, which will be great fun, actually. Because um, got... apparently the, the collector isn't dead. No, um, yeah. he just hasn't appeared since. Yeah. Um, presumably because Benicio Del Toro has been busy. But I would absolutely love to see I mean, those I two characters. Yeah, <laughs> and demonstrating what a great actor he is. Be mistaken for Antonio Banderas. Um, if he let himself go a little bit, maybe. Yeah. But there is this this kind of sense that runs through it. And even just like the grandmasters, I love the joke about how the uh, you know the mainframe's down, the obedience discs are working, the slaves are revolting. It's like, oh, pa, 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 pa. you know I don't like that word. Mainframe? No, what, what, why would I not like mainframe? The S word. <laughs> oh, you mean the, the prisoners with jobs. <laughs> but there is this sort of sense that plays through it. Like it has become this sort of wasted sort of the place where all the trash is thrown. Like the wormholes open and people just dump well, their crap where the, there. Where the trash is 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 thrown. It's it's where it's where it's it, it's an anus. So it's, <laughs> it's not just trash that gets yeah. thrown there. But I, I do. I really, really like that aspect of it, and I think it's very clever. And I actually think it's. I would argue it's a better critique of, say, imperialism and colonialism than, say, like the Winter Soldier or Civil War, where they tried to do something similar with, say, the dismantling of Shield, where they tried to do a commentary on, say, the surveillance state, but. Because they were, well, first of all, because they're taking it seriously. And second of all, because they're set in something close to contemporary America. I don't think they could get away with having sort of teeth on that point. Yeah. So, you, so you had to have this secret. Oh, my God. The surveillance state is horrible, but only in the specific case where it's run by literal Nazis. Yeah. Um, like the problem is not that Nick Fury set up this sort of all eyed surveillance automated drone strike system. It's that maybe Nazis might use it. And the funny thing about this is, is that it's 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 entirely evil and oppressive and it's irregardless of the character of the person behind it. Yes. Well, that's... So it the, like he he is the smiling, charming face of 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 colonialism and and for and Odin for, is beloved as well like yeah like, for 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 the most part colonialism was was uh practiced by by gentlemen yeah yeah and upper class individuals and i mean yeah of 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 great upstanding character yeah like um and by the, the kind of standards of the time yeah, and i mean even asgard like there's a point where hella asks where does where does thor think all the gold in asgard came from for example yeah. and i mean even the end sequence where asgard is destroyed because thor realizes that it's not asgard is not a place but a people 
Like it's it's a literal demolition of empire. And it works beautifully because you have this sort of sequence and it's a great joke. It's a wonderful joke where Korg goes, yes. you know, but don't worry, upon its foundations will be built a world where all the people of the universe may be brought together and live in harm. And then, oh. <laughs> um, no, it's gone. Um, and it's sort of, it's a clever joke because it plays with your expectations a little bit and it builds up this emotional beat that it then completely undercuts. But it's also a very clever joke because I think it hits on the idea that like you can't build like a democracy or you can't build like a liberal utopian society on the bones, on the literal bones of like the people that you've been oppressing, but also on like the bones of empire. Like you have to completely dismantle it and take it apart before you can build a better society and a better world. And like, Thor Ragnarok ends with the Asgardians who have been like they've been sitting atop the nine realms who have been basically who led a campaign of war through Hela and through Odin to enforce peace at the edge of a sphere and to take tribute like Loki is the product of colonialism Loki is basically a frost giant baby who was kidnapped and taken back because he might be useful as a negotiating tool later on like he's another trophy like say all the stuff they have down in the basement which is by the way above the the grave of all the soldiers who've been used to enforce this in the past but like Thor Ragnarok ends with Asgard completely and utterly demolished it's people rendered as refugees yeah. And like forced to go out into the universe and to make a home for themselves and to be accepted as immigrants, which is a very pointed and very political, I think, commentary. And it's done in a clever way that's not at all heavy handed and not yeah, overt. That, that, that's the kind of aftermath of 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 colonialism, is, um, say, like in the UK is 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 a lot of the kind of uh, Commonwealth uh, countries, uh, yeah. uh, countries, uh, my, uh, there are people migrating yeah um after after the kind of disastrous uh partition of india and pakistan which 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 followed independence and and since yeah um and then and then the backlash within those countries to them feeling like they're losing their englishness yeah like it's it's the the claiming of land. Like I would argue, Brexit, for example, is a great example. Exactly. Like, yeah, that, Brexit that's... is in many ways built on the memory and notion of an empire that doesn't exist, and it's a romantic fantasy of the United Kingdom. Like as a benign, like there's this interesting survey that was done um, that basically found that British people have an almost utopian, nostalgic view of the British Empire. Of course, they do. They were like they were the people who benefited from it, but there's never a sense of like dealing with the legacy of colonialism of the violence that enforced on other people. I think. And I think that Ragnarok sort of touches on that, I think, in a way. Not in an overt way, not in a heavy-handed way, and not as, like, a, a central point that it hammers, <laughs> hammers you over the head with, but... Well, yeah, like, because Taika is, is speaking as a person with a sense of humour and as a native or aboriginal, if, 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 yeah. if, if you want to say... Um, so I, 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 he even he even sort of built in the color schemes on Sakara based on exactly. Aboriginal designs. That's right. Yeah. yeah. So it's very conscious, and he's talked about it. Like he's his recollect like when his first reaction on being told he was making a Thor film was basically, "Well, I'm dealing with these two incredibly white privileged brothers who have never had to deal with any strife whatsoever in their lives. What the hell am I going to do with them? Oh, I know. Um, we'll have them actually experience the horrors of colonialism." And then blow up Asgard, and it works beautifully. Mm. Um, and I think it, it's it's really really powerful. Yeah, and I I I I like it as well because I think aesthetically, I know it's kind of like a, a, I I think when when I when I was 
when I was religious and would go to to church every Sunday, the churches I wouldn't like were the really kind of ornate ones where it's all kind of gold and stuff because it would always seem uh, to me that there were there 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 was a time when people were very poor, and the and, 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 and the church had 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 so much wealth. And with 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 Asgard, you kind of get a, a, a like a, a, a opulence, kind of extravagance. Um, gold kind of baroque um, uh, architecture always makes me feel kind of uncomfortable. Yeah, well, I mean, they even have a vault full of tribute that they've taken from other countries, yeah. other realms, and stuff like like, like when when um, Hela's sort of walking through it, where she's like, "That's a fake. That's a forge. That's weak. Oh, that's quite interesting." Like it's 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 what I think of when um, when reading about kind of um, highlights of visiting Russia. A lot of a lot of them are thing things like the Hermitage and stuff, where there's a whole lot of kind of remnants of the kind of royal family. So you have like uh, kind of crown jewels and like ornate kind of eggs and um, and scepters and stuff like that, and and it really kind of like I find it all really distasteful, <laughs> yeah. you know. Yeah, the fact that this is built on the graves, basically, of, of people that you sort of overthrew or sort of you... Well, it's not even that. I, 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 aside from all of that, I think it's really kind of tacky. Like like, like the the um, Piazza San Marco in in, um, in Venice, the, the, um, the uh, chapel that they have there has a whole lot of ornate kind of statuary that they've um that they robbed from the different kind of venetian conquests over the years from the the that the doges would have sent and they're all atop the chapel decorating the um the the kind of uh facade and to some people's eyes that that looks kind of magnificent beautiful impressive but it's just, it's it a, also looks ven- like it's venerating and celebrating and sort of like reveling in. But not even just that, no. and 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 that's definitely an aspect of it. But it's yeah, it's the 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 the, the kind of a, a extravagance or something distasteful about it. All right. Well, with that in mind, then is there any, anything else you want to talk about? With that with in mind. With, yeah. Sorry. Okay. I'm I'm awful at segues. I think if, if, we've, if we've learned anything from the first year, of the two fifty, is that I am not very graceful with my. Is there any, uh, any like, other, is there... anything else like of that tangent that you would like to <laughs> yeah. add to this or to movie? explore? But I mean, is there anything else in terms of Thor Ragnarok that you'd like to talk about that we haven't sort of covered I'm already? About Venice more. <laughs> yeah, it's it's very much a part of this. Sometimes it smells bad. Oh um, yeah, when in summer apparently, apparently it's quite okay in winter. Yeah, I think I was there in summer and it wasn't too bad. I, okay. I didn't notice, but then again, I don't have a great sense of smell. But I have a great sense of taste, apparently. Ah, I can, how does I that can, work? I can eat imaginary burgers. Oh, okay. Because as, as, uh, um, the two are linked, right? Because like, it, was it taste is something like 70% smell or something like that? Well, yeah, it's um, uh, retronasal olfaction and orthonasal olfaction are, are different qualitatively. Okay. So so you 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 might be bad um at smelling um but that's orthonasal and um oh, you good, can... good 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 uh, good good at um, So you can get the taste from inside uh, the mouth. You get uh, the smell from inside. Oh. Yeah, good good at perceiving flavor because it's it's uh, um orthonasal. Cuz you are very sensitive to like you do like you like your spices and stuff like that. You're very Exactly. So so the the 
um, and th- this is highly unscientific because we're 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 not scientists. But I suspect the reason is that I sometimes uh, suffer from rhinitis, which is inflammation of the nostrils. But I imagine it that probably doesn't down. affect the um, also the, the inner ones. The, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, oh, possibly. Cool. Interesting to talk just before we sort of finish up on Thor Ragnarok because it's I'm it's bragging about my sense your of great taste. sense of taste. But I mean, come on, someone's going to challenge me on that now, and I'm going to be proven completely. Well, um, I mean, you don't a charlatan. Like, you don't like Venetian decoration. Um, it's yeah. clearly that your tense, your sense of taste. A professor is once told me this that you that had I, a great sense I, of taste. Yeah, that I, that I yeah. But um, just in terms of Thor Ragnarok. It's it's kind of been it's interesting because it's been at the focal point of two and that's what I like about doing this just in because we know that this podcast is going to be released shortly after we record it so we can actually yeah. talk about things that are relatively current. It's been sort of at the center of two Disney related activities uh, or events over the past week. The first of which is the banning of the Los Angeles Times from any Disney screenings, including. Thor Ragnarok, owing off the back of their coverage of uh, Disney's dealings in Anaheim, California, um, just about basically their involvement with the oh, community. they were they in because they were they were they were they were printing uh, counterfeit money. Or so, sorry, no, that that's the that's that's the plot to um, uh, yeah. Beverly Hills, Hills Cop, Cop 3, Three, which Never is in mind. no way associated with Disneyland. To be absolutely clear, <laughs> it just happens to take place at a theme park that may or may not resemble said land. But yeah, George George Lucas. Um, was 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 in that yeah there's a whole host of director cameos in there that's really it's it's very hard to explain there's a bunch of i, I don't know why now because he's owned the director, by disney yeah. <laughs> no no he sold his baby yeah, to disney yeah. it's like slavery according to him in one of the we talked <laughs> about he this wants on, to see his baby and he's to ask disney <laughs> yeah and call a week ahead in advance yeah. to arrange visitation rights yeah george lucas's response to selling the rights to star wars to disney may not be the most graceful but no in anaheim california it's around obviously is it disney world or disney land whichever whichever one it is in california like, oh we're sorry george do you want to give the money back <laughs> you, we don't want to do that now but i mean you had your chance you could, it's not as if we put a gun to your head and made you sign but the argument is with anaheim basically they exert a, a lot a lot of control over the community because they control obviously the theme park and that then ties to stuff like obviously ancillary support structures and they've invested a bit of money in there but they get tax breaks and they pay very little for the services that they take advantage of and they've begun like influencing local politics and stuff like that so like the town council in anaheim is split to along the campaigners who are anti-disney and those who are pro-disney but founded by disney are the pro-disney um uh, council people in anaheim like mickey mouse uh donald duck i want to see their voting records yeah i want to see (laughs) (laughs) i say we cut the prices on uh Who's but that? I have no idea. I do te- okay. Uh, we also know Darren is awful at segues and awful at impressions. But I, I... oh gosh. <laughs> but uh, but I do feel that wasn't very good. <laughs> it was better than mine. Let's be honest here. But basically, the Los Angeles Times co- published a story sort of covering this exploitation, and Disney's response was to cut their access to screenings of their movies and basically say the Los Angeles Times film section, which had nothing to do with the story that was broken in the business section, uh, could no longer attend screenings. And the first one that they were banned from was Thor Ragnarok, but they were also banned from like The Last Jedi and, and Coco and various other films along the way. And it's kind of, it was horrifying because it was basically like, if you want to worry about the growth and power of a corporate entity and the like muscles that it's flexing and even stuff like the freedom of the press in the US, for example, because obviously those reviews mean a lot to the papers because, you know, you people browse them, search for them, find them. Rotten Tomatoes on opening weekend is, is a huge source of traffic for people as well. But like, 
This is industry corner. This is industry corner. But like the the use of like an entertainment conglomerate targeting a newspaper based on content that was not ba- not entertainment based. Like corporations, this is sort of ba- this is worrying to me. Like what I mean, was, what, what, what? oh okay, yeah, 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 yeah. And I mean, they back down in the end after, say, the Washington Post and um, the AV. Do, do you know what I find hilarious? The fact that this is all Disney. Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> like the 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 kind of um, it's it, because of the stories they tell. You 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 would imagine kind of like there there must Big, be cuddly, a happy. lot of attention put on our brand identity yeah. and kind of like our our corporate how we're kind of perceived responsibility. Yeah. yeah and how we're sort of loved and stuff yeah. like that and how people sort of answer towards us and no it's like the iron <laughs> fist will come down on you for this now they did they did back off in the end but like that's terrifying that it happened and I mean you want to talk about Disney being terrifying this week was also the week that Disney were kind of like will we buy Fox I think we might buy Fox. As well, which is like that would give you the largest entertainment conglomerate in the world. That would be like you would be. That how w- did Disney get so big? I don't really get that. Is it, like I don't understand how Disney could buy Marvel and buy Star Wars, Star Wars. Are, are and they, then go. Oh, maybe Fox a lot of debt on the back of this, no. or did they just have the cash at hand? They basically had the cash. What happened was this they was don't a cash. Even have all their movies out. They're in the vault. <laughs> They rotate through them. Well, yeah. I mean, you got to keep in mind. Maybe that's a good distribution model that we should all follow. Maybe we should put <laughs> our um, podcast episodes. Uh, episodes in a vault, and, and then we can afford them to, from time to time. And then we can afford to buy other movie podcasts as well. Exactly. Yeah. But I mean, it, it is terrifying, isn't it? Because that's and and the reason that is is because movies are getting bigger. And what are you talking about? <laughs> what are you talking about, Dan? This isn't terrifying at all. Um, yeah, we're sort of living. We're living in RoboCop to make the we're obligatory a business. To make Make an obligatory RoboCop reference in the 250, but to the real world. Um, but it it is like the idea is that basically Fox have looked at it and said, "Look, the blockbusters that we're producing are not big enough to be considered like blo- sustainable blockbusters in the future. So what we need to do is we need to be bought by Disney so we can help them make even bigger blockbusters that will make even more money and price like." Paramount are in trouble. Paramount are financially in dire straits. Universal are doing okay. Warner Brothers will be feeling a bit of a squeeze. Like we are this is this is worrying stuff and I don't normally worry about this sort of stuff. What are you talking about antitrust? Yeah, monopoly. Mini friggin' mouse. Yeah, monopoly. Who's who's what's to stop? Who's going to stop me? <laughs> you I'd like to see you try. I don't know what accent that was. I apologize. Um, but it's I, one of the less popular um, and forgotten <laughs> Disney characters. Yeah, it's a, a, a person who owned a market stall in Aladdin. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, I'm walking here. But um, there is also has Christopher Walken played a Disney character? Because I feel like that's an impression uh, I can do. He's been in Pixar. He, he was in Ants. Um, no, Ants was Bug not- Life. Uh, oh, was no, Bugs Life was Kevin Spacey. He was in Ants, but Ants was not. He was not, in Ants. Ants, Ants was, was not, DreamWorks? Yes. Ah, okay. That was that sort of, uh, their deep impact sort of Armageddon moment there. Okay. Um, But yeah, it's, and like the coverage of this potential merger, which would change the face of entertainment and like <laughs> multimedia consumption in general. Do you want to bet? Do you want to take a guess what the big headlines and all the various like entertainment and even mainline news sites were when it was like Disney is considering buying Fox? I'll give you a hint. 
point. It's related to the Boxes podcast that we're covering. to come true. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to finally, finally, finally crush Warners yeah. under their heel. Um, if you wish upon <laughs> a star. <laughs> um, the headlines were all like, oh my God, Marvel is going to own the X-Men and Fantastic Four and stuff. And you're like, no, that's not the headline here. That's that's like, and that's also, even if it were the headline here, that's not a good thing. Like, why, why should Warner? Hold on, wait, what? Was Rupert Murdoch not one Fox anymore? Um, yeah. They, they, I, the thing I find confusing is, well, I know this happens all the time, when companies are set up by some somebody or owned by somebody and then they're not owned by somebody that that always confused yeah, me when they're sort of divested it was, and... yeah it was and 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 it happens sometimes when somebody um either uh found something or buy something and then sells it and then buys it back so like steve jobs and apple exactly, like his, yeah. sort of his history there and like because because i just imagine um rupert murdoch uh, rupert owning murdoch. Fox. okay he owns fox he owns sky anything with with the word sky or fox must be owned by him um and, but and, the interests are sort of divested and sort of yeah yeah, yeah. and Some sometimes own, he might own a percentage sometimes he might own and all. sometimes his son might own all and sometimes he might have sold it but it still keeps the branding it is very hard to keep track of but it, yeah this is sort of it's, terrifying just jerry to, hall is is selling uh fox to uh <laughs> to, <laughs> to as Disney. part of the divorce settlement yeah. it's like i know what will really tick rupert murdoch off yeah um but yeah so that that kind of that was my big sort of worry of the of the kind of of the weekend or the week in question was that basically we would be he doesn't living want in... a funny x-men movie <laughs> <laughs> that's what i want i want a grave and serious x-men well because yeah that was it also, yeah, we should talk about if we if we're going to talk about this. Selling the X Men to to Marvel is a bad idea because you never end up with stuff like Logan or Legion, or even say New Mutants or Deadpool or whatever. But that is not the headline you here. You have stuff like Deadpool. You you, you oh, Marvel no. haven't made an eighteen certificate. Yeah, movie. actually, that's um, like so you it's, never get Logan either. It's quite a, yeah yeah they're they're both, Diddy's, I guess. Yeah. Deadpool is like a family friendly brand, but you even you never get something like but on, they were, they were big departures from the X Men movies as well. They were indeed and. I mean, like, the thing is, the uh, the X-Men brand is doing, like, they did Legion on television this year, which is great. It's from the, Noah Hawley, the guy who did Fargo. Okay. As this sort of, it's visual, and it's got this sort of rich imagery and stuff, and it's experimental, and it's not something that you would do with a comic book character. <laughs> I like the way we, 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 we spoke about how we do a short little tour, <laughs> kind of, just to, to take a peek behind the curtain. Yeah. We, the, I, I, I... I we we so much kind of enthusiasm that we had no idea would would come about would materialize. Yeah, and um, the only thing that that, that's, that happens is our li- poor listeners suffer from it. I, okay, well, I'm sorry. We'll no, go no, back. No, to- no, no. I, I, I've, 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 it's possible that someone someone out out there is even enjoying us speak <laughs> talking um, about uh, talking about Anaheim and talking about not yeah. Vanheim. Vanheim is the one from Thor. Thank you very oh, much. I'm loving this. This, but, is, this is okay. Well, this is crazy. Is there I, any- I, 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 I normally don't go for all this tangential this, stuff. Uh, no, no, I like the tangents. I, I generally don't care about the industry, but all, all of this kind of Disney stuff, I always said it's fine. Well, it's just, tickling. It just sort of, um, it, it's amazing how the company's brand, which is like, you know, um, it's a small world after all. <laughs> it, it's like ominously repurposed as it will be a small world by the time we're finished with it. Yeah. I just find it so interesting that the company's sort of like ruthless, sort of capitalist, all-consuming sort of, we will be all media you will consume in the next 20 
years. Well, I, I guess they have they have previous. It's 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 kind of like we will buy Mary Poppins. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's it's just like it's extrapolated from there. It's like. Disney are or, a fantastic... Or Winnie the Pooh, for that matter. Yeah, yeah, like, Disney is a massive success story. Like, they're very good at doing what they do, to be absolutely clear on this. It's, um... <laughs> what, uh, like, Don, they're, they're Don, being their Don, best selves. Don DeMello um, uses uh, the, the, the Disney... He always calls it, like... Um, Disney's Beauty and the Beast, but it has no connection to Disney whatsoever. So he called another one Disney's Wizard of Oz. It's of like it, <laughs> because they colonized, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, well, in the popular memory and stuff like that, because it is it is interesting to think. Like, do you think in a, in like twenty years time, like we will live in a world where there will only be one or at most two studios releasing films? Like, it, it's kind of horrifying in a way, isn't it? Because Disney owns so much of, like, what I consider to be, like, my childhood films or films that were important to me. Like, they obviously don't own Star Trek, but they own, say, Star Wars. They now own Indiana Jones. They have, like, the Marvel Universe. They have, like, their own films. They have Pixar. Well, it'll always happen with with, with, with struggling companies or in struggling industries where, 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 where things are getting... I guess with a struggling company, they're going to they're going to be uh, perhaps bought by a more successful company, and in and and in a struggling industry, there's going to be mergers. Yeah. So, um, like in 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 airlines, there were there were there were, there was a time where certain mergers just wouldn't have been allowed because it would have um, granted sort of a monopoly and unfair control of the market. Yeah. But then there came a time where it's like, okay, none of you guys are making money, so I, I guess for the sake of synergy, loosen this. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I mean, it was the same thing with the with the networks and stuff like that. Like Fox uh, broke into the networks once those rules were loosened, like once yeah. those sort of anti monopoly rules were loosened. I mean, it is kind of terrifying that like we live in a in a world where there's this is the free market. This it? is is it terrifying is or it is it fantastic or 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 is it like something that nobody ever thinks about good point good <laughs> point at all um no i think okay maybe that's fair it's just it is kind of i think it's indicative of like broader trends and stuff like I you mean, talk, you're 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 kind of you're, i am you're, very invested in you, this you I are inf- infecting me though with some of the interest which makes me think that if if, if me somebody who could care less about this stuff is getting interested then maybe 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 some of the listeners who actually enjoy this stuff yeah, will be yeah. even more interested. Well, I mean, I'm gonna be like we've talked about this in the podcast before. I'm not like a raving sort of lefty individual. I'm pretty centrist, but it's like this stuff sort of this stuff kind of makes me nervous. But anyway, we'll we should probably get back to talking about Thor <laughs> Ragnarok. Uh, is there anything else that we you'd like to talk about? Anything that jumped out of you? Even any good jokes that we haven't talked about? Uh, any good I'm, bits? I'm I'm certain that there that there'll be things that I'll I'll think oh oh I wish I had um I had talked about this or that I talked about that. But um, no, it's it's it, like with 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 every podcast, <laughs> they're, they're yeah. There's the moment afterwards where you go, oh, I forgot to mention X, Y, or Z. Yeah, yeah. But I'm I'm not going to slow things <laughs> down um, because I know that you'll probably need to um, or want to edit any any awkward pauses <laughs> when I'm kind of like, oh, let me see um, this bit. Yeah. All right. Well, with that in mind, then next week, actually, we're doing, I think we're doing a special episode possibly next week uh, where we're doing, we're collaborating with Speaking Geek. Ooh, exciting. Uh, yeah. Where Graham, who's been on the show a couple of times, he's a really great guest and very enthusiastic. And he invited us on to talk about two movies that are not on the list. Um, so we may be doing that next weekend. 
Exactly. I'm really looking forward to that. All right. Well, we'll let you know. We'll be back next Wednesday, taking a break from the format. Until then, uh, you can follow us on at the 250 um, and Twitter. You can listen to us on Stitcher, on iTunes. Um, you can follow us also on the website, the movie blog. Uh, we will hopefully have our own website up and running shortly as well. So we're looking forward to announcing and unveiling that. Um, Ooh, website. I know. Until then, guys. It's like it's, oh. it's like the it's it's the twentieth century. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I hear it's on the internet now. Um, oh, um, yeah. It, it's like oh, yes. you could. We we didn't talk about this. Doctor it's Strange. Like, yes. Why didn't you call me? And and and, yeah. and it's, it's it's like well, um, your you father were, you was were, adamant. You were, you were you were banished, and, and, and yeah, your was... father was adamant that he didn't want to be disturbed, wanted to live in exile. Also, you don't have a phone. <laughs> well, you could have sent an electronic email. I'm sorry, an electronic <laughs> electronic <laughs> letter. Yeah, it's called an email. Do you have a computer? No. no why? No, why? <laughs> <laughs> there is. There's so uh, many good. So bits in this. so many good jokes. Um, oh, it's fantastic. All right, take it easy, guys. Bye.